0: Hello ninjas and ninjas and welcome to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name's Tim Cameron Kitchen, best-selling digital marketing author and head ninja at Exposure Ninja. This podcast is all about helping businesses to generate more leads and sales from your website. And in this episode, we're talking about calls to action. So calls to action are, in some ways, the defining characteristic of your website's performance. So how well your website turns a visitor into a lead or a sale is largely defined by how appealing your call to action is. So in this episode, myself and Loz, who's one of the ninjas here at Exposure Ninja, we're discussing what makes a good CTA. We're talking through some examples and giving you a bit of a process that you can follow to identify what your call to action should be. If you want more information about this, we actually made some videos about this inside our Marketing U training platform. So if you go to marketingu.ninja, that's marketing and then the letter u.ninja, there are some videos inside Marketing U which will help you to identify what a good call to action could be and to improve the performance of your website in general, whether it's getting more traffic to your site, improving conversion rates, doing follow-up email marketing, you know, loads of stuff in there, even down to positioning and how, you're mes- how you use messaging across your business. So check out marketingu.ninja if you're interested. Otherwise, without further ado, let's get stuck in.
1: Uh, hi, and welcome to this episode of the Exposure Ninja podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be discussing designing the perfect call to action. So uh, we have mentioned this in some previous episodes. We talked about how having a, a strong call to action on a web on a web page can be really useful in order to get more traffic and to get more uh, people signing up for your newsletter or anything like that. In this episode, we're going to make sure that we're getting that perfect C2A that's, yeah, C2A that's going to be really, really good. And it's going to give us the best possible results. The first thing, yeah, do you want to just give us a quick overview of a call to action, Tim, and uh, and maybe an example or two,
0: if you've got any? Cool. Yeah, I have some examples. So call to action is the main goal that your page has. So every page, whether you're a service company or an e-commerce business, every page on your site has a goal. And the goal is usually if you're a service business to generate a lead. So we talked in episode four, I think it was about CTAs and how we need to all have like free consultation and a nice little contact form on every page. And a load of the sites that we get sent have these contact forms on now, which is it's just, hey, get a free consultation, name, email, phone number, message. And it's that's not enough to get the conversion. So we need to think in a bit more detail about our CTAs. We need to put ourselves in our customers' shoes and we need to make sure that we're not just assuming that because we're offering a free consultation, we don't need to sell it. Just because something's free doesn't mean that we don't need to sell it and it's just going to sell itself. We still need to work really, really hard at getting people to request our CTA. So examples of CTAs can be book a free consultation, but with some very specific result that they're going to get from this and a very specific instruction about what they need to do. It could be request your free website and marketing review, which is the CTA that we use on our website. If you're an e-commerce business, it could be request free delivery on your first order or get some sort of free gift or something along those lines.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think like you say, you know, since, since we last talked about this subject, what was that sort of nearly a year ago now, I think it does seem like, yeah, there's a lot more websites that are offering something for free. So I think people are kind of hearing that message that, um, you know, a free something, you know, consultation, free free delivery, that kind of thing is a really great way to entice customers. But yeah, the, what we're going to be talking about, you know, in, in detail today is there's more that you need to be doing than just offering that free thing. So the first thing that we need to kind of talk about is is some of the actual elements that, that make up a really, really good CTA. So what what kind of things would you want to include, you know, to, to differentiate yourselves from maybe, maybe everyone else that is offering the same kind of free consultation, but not doing it that well?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think the the first thing that we need to think about is making the bait really, really attractive. So the free consultation is cool. But one example that, that we use, and I was just recording a Marketing You video, which used this example, we we built this solicitor lead generation site. And then if you compare that to other solicitor sites, which offer a free consultation, now the CTA site that we use on, on the site that we built says, Find out how much you could claim. And it means that people can fill in their details and actually get some information about what their claim could be worth and how much their compensation could be. Whereas most solicitor sites will just say contact us, you know, or, or something that's just completely, you know, soft. So by saying find out how much you could claim, we're making that bait much more attractive. That's so much more compelling to someone because they see an actual benefit from it. So I think the the kind of switch that we need to make when we're thinking about consultations is thinking. What's the outcome that somebody is actually left with? Are they going to get a strategic plan in this free consultation? Are they going to get some sort of assessment, which would give them personalized information? Are they, even if it's just get a free quote, at least then they're left with something, they have something to take away with them, which is a price. So, firstly, think about what's the first step in the sales process and what do people actually take away? Like, I, th- I think of people you know, when you go to a party when you're a kid and you get that party bag and you've got stuff in your party bag. So you imagine the leads coming into your business, having this consultation, then walking away, like what's in their party bag? What have they actually got, which has taken them closer to their goals?
1: Mm, yeah. So, so the, the the thing we're talking about there then is, you know, something is the benefit to the customer in terms of this, this call to action. So one thing that I always think is kind of interesting is that a lot of businesses will We'll be focusing on the benefit for them, for them as a business. So rather than um, you know sign up to our email list in order to to get X, Y, and Z, they'll be just saying, hey, can give us your email. And and obviously you know it it it, ha- it can serve the same purpose on the website, but one is kind of focusing on what's in it for the customer, and one's focusing what's in it for the business. So I think like you say, it's really important that they mention a strong benefit in there.
0: Yeah, new- the newsletter is a perfect example because. You know, sign up for the money saving tips and we'll give you our top tips on how to do X and you'll get this free email course, which will show you how to do Y. Or sign up for our free newsletter. Well, sign up for our free newsletter has just no perceived value at all because a newsletter is just email spam. The reality is that what they actually get when they sign up for something like that doesn't actually need to be any different at all. So it's literally just how you position that stuff that you're going to be sending out. So If you're going to be letting people know about your latest deals, then we're going to be sending them advice for saving money or, you know, whatever it is. So it's just positioning and it's just selling based on what these people actually want, rather than just being super lazy and just saying, hey, sign up for this and just expecting people to openly give us their email addresses. People are much more resistant to that than they used to be. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's
1: the thing, really. If these businesses have already taken our advice and they've they're offering a free consultation or they're offering, you know, a free gift or whatever it might be, that they they, they they do have that sort of lead generation offer there. Clearly, they're they're able to to provide a benefit to the customer. Otherwise, they wouldn't be offering whatever it is. So, like you say, it's just about making sure that that's really apparent in that in that call to action.
0: You know, often people say, you know, maybe it's the dentist and they say, yeah, we don't really want to give away free consultations. Well, that's absolutely fine. And then you ask them, what what is your sales process? Okay. So the first thing that people will do is they'll ring us up and then what happens? And then we'll talk to them to see if they're a good fit. Okay, great. So that is the consultation. So the consultation doesn't necessarily have to mean that you're giving away a bunch of advice or you're giving away a whole ton of stuff. It can simply be that it's a conversation between you and the lead to decide whether you two are a good fit, because there's still value in that for the customer, because they still get an indication of you know how you could help them and, and what that's actually going to mean. You don't actually have to deliver your core thing for free. That's not what we're saying. We're just saying that conversation, there's a way of positioning it that actually has value for people.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of people underestimate the value of a, a personalized response So like you say, sort of you you might not feel like you're giving that customer anything by, by having a phone call in which you decide whether or not you can even perform the service they're asking about. But for a customer that's sort of, you know, browsing about on the Internet and trying to find, you know, the solution to their problem, the fact that you're willing to discuss it with them is actually quite
0: valuable. So I think, yeah, like you say, positioning that in the right way is super, super strong. Yeah. I mean, have a look at your competitors. The the thing about most website CTAs is, is if you had 10 websites open in your browser, there's very little incentive to give your details to any one of them. You're not often able to tell the difference between the different businesses based on their websites in many cases. So it's simply, you know, you don't have to be amazing to be the winner. And like you say, just offering to have a conversation with people, but also Removing the uncertainty, which is the second element of a a compelling call to action is it's low risk. By telling people exactly what's going to happen, removing any uncertainty that might be in their minds about what's going to happen, because that's a massive, massive conversion blocker. If people aren't sure what's going to happen when they stick their details in, you're asking them to just take a punt. And that's quite a risky thing to do on a first date. So you really just want to say, okay, you're going to stick in your details here. We're going to contact you to arrange this free thing. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what you're going to be left with. That's really compelling. So yeah, it's, it's just remove the risk, take on all of that risk yourself, minimize the amount of info that you need to ask for as well, which is something I'm sure we can discuss. Yeah. I mean, I I absolutely love that when, when
1: websites do that, when anybody does that, if they explain what the process is going to be like, you know, if you enter your details here, we'll give you a call and we'll discuss your case with you, you know, that kind of stuff really reassures me. It mean, it makes me think, Hey, yeah, like, even if they can't help me, at least I'm going to be able to have this conversation and I'll know for sure kind of thing. So, you know, not having that, that risk of, Oh, am I in the right, am I in the right place is, is super, super compelling for me. Definitely.
0: Gary Halbert always used to say, like when, when he'd send out a sales letter to someone, he wouldn't say, call us on blah, blah, blah. He'd say, call us. And Jeanette is going to pick up the phone, and she's going to ask you this, this and this, and then she's going to take your details. And then she's going to send out the thing to you. And it's just, there's kind of most people think there's no reason to go into that level of detail. But actually, if you're asking someone to trust your business, there really is. And and that sort of detail helps because it makes you feel more trustworthy. So yeah, the more detail you can give around that, it, it might seem irrelevant to you, but to actually someone who's scared or someone who's they don't have to be conscious that they're scared of it. It's just like, oh, this, you know, I'm not 100% sure I'm going to do this. A- another thing that's really important when we're trying to remove risk for people is requesting too much information. A common mistake that we'll see being made on CTAs, and, and there's an example of that we, can, that we can talk through, is where you ask for absolutely loads of fields in the form. So you're asking name, email, phone, you're asking income, you're asking, you know, a whole bunch of stuff which you don't need to know, like mother's maiden name and kids' name, you know. Stuff around contact details that you're not actually going to follow up. So if you're not going to phone call, if you're not going to cold call someone who puts in their details, then don't ask for a phone number. It's completely pointless because the only thing it's going to do is suppress response. If you're not going to make decisions based on their income or based on how much they have to spend, then don't ask for it because it's pointless, right? So only ask for the stuff you need. Minimize the number of fields that you're asking on that contact form. And that's another way of kind of reducing the risk for people.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, each additional piece of information you ask for is going to result in some kind of drop off in the number of people that, you know, can be bothered to fill it out. You know, even if it's just 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 the time factor, let alone having to make that decision. Do I want to give this company my phone number or not? Just the, you know, oh, this form takes, you know, 10 minutes to fill out now because of all these extra fields. Yeah. Minimizing that information, hugely important, I would say.
0: Yeah. And, and if, if you imagine that your audience is on iPhone, right, or they're on their phone and if it asks for name, email, phone, and then a message, well, name, email, phone are going to be auto-filled by the browser. So that they've just filled in the form in like half a second. So the more stuff you ask them, which actually requires their brain to be engaged, then, you know, that, that kind of makes it uh, a little bit more tricky for them.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think the other thing that um, a lot of businesses that, that I've spoken to seem to have a problem with is, you know, They'll say, "Oh, yeah, but that information is going to be required for our sales process. We need to ask that." Often, you know, I, I'm, you know, go back to them and say, "Well, do you need to ask that right now?" When they're just going onto the website, um, I thought the next stage stage of the process is you're going to have a a phone call with them, um, and they'll say, "Yeah, we're going to have a phone call with them, but we need to find out, you know, whatever it might be." And, and you say, "Well, well, actually, that question that you've asked in that contact form would be a much better question to ask over the phone to." To put that customer you know at ease to to make sure that you know you're providing the right kind of service for them, so yeah, have a think about whether or not you know this is the correct place to ask for that information, even if um
0: you know if you need to at all kind of thing yeah one example of of a site that we worked on the cTA for so they this this site you can book coach trips. And we said, okay, add this CTA to your homepage because it's going to increase your conversions. And it massively has. They're getting a conversion every half hour now. It's just ridiculous. But interestingly, they ask for, in fact, let me just get it up because it's really useful. They ask for way more fields than we would normally ask if we wanted to absolutely maximize lead volume. But the reason they ask so many fields is because actually they don't want to maximize lead volume because it takes some time to put together a quote. So their quote form on their homepage asks for name, email, pickup date, pickup location, group size, and then phone number, return date, destination, and additional notes. So we've got, what, nine fields that we're asking for there. And some of those, you know, the customer's going to have to actually think about. They're going
1: to have to, it's not something that they could just easily autofill. They're going to have to think about that before
0: making, being able to fill it in. Exactly. And things like pickup date. I might not even have it in mind yet. If I'm organizing a Hindu for my girls, right? I might not even know what date yet because I haven't even, you know, I'm just doing the research. So I might not have that information. Now for these guys, as I say, they're getting enough website traffic and they're getting enough leads anyway that they can afford to suppress response and say, we don't want anyone who's just curious about getting quotes. So they only want the people that are ready to do something now, which is fair enough for them. But if they wanted to just maximize lead volume, they'd make it really simple. name, email. Optional phone number. Where are you going, and how many of them are you? And then you just have that as a message field, so that people could just dump whatever info they wanted to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that that raises a really good point. I mean, so in
1: general, obviously, we're going to want to be collecting as much as many leads as possible. Obviously, that's going to be better for for, for sales. In you know, for especially for a new business that's kind of freshly starting up. But but it does raise a really interesting question about how do we get the best quality leads? How do we get the leads that um, are, are likely to convert and and just, you know, get rid of those time wasters? So, yeah, I think that, I mean, there's a few other things that we can do, isn't there? As well as, you know, just adding on extra fields. We can also sort of charge them um, a fee for, for that um, initial contact kind of thing, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, so th- there's kind of two ways to disqualify people. We can either raise the barrier to entry or we can add like eagerness filters, I call them. So raising the barrier to entry, if we want to disqualify some people from getting getting our CTA, then we could say they must meet certain criteria, right? So they must have, if you're a B2B, then they must have a certain revenue or you might want to ask qualifying questions. So, you know, how many people are you taking on your coach trip? And and you're asking them that so that they can kind of disqualify themselves and say, oh, you know, I'm not too sure yet. There's only one or two of us. Another way that you can raise the barrier to entry is through the implied positioning on the website. So one of the first websites I ever built was for a really high-end AV company in London. And these guys installed like home cinemas for Russian billionaires, right? It was When, they, when they're installing a home cinema, it's going to cost at least a hundred grand, probably between a hundred and five million, and it's going to take, you know, years and it's going to be amazing. And what they were scared of is they were scared of the guy down the road typing in home cinema, asking them to come and fit a TV bracket in his kitchen for 100 quid. And they're like, we don't want because even, you know, even sending someone out to do the quote or even pick up the phone to talk to him, we're already going to have lost money. So we don't want any of those business people. So what we did there is by using really high end imagery on the site and by having, you know, pictures of beautiful homes and one Hyde Park and all of this amazing stuff as soon as you landed on that site, it oozed so much perceived quality that if you're looking for a TV bracket to be hung on the wall, you know, in somewhere that's not one Hyde Park, you'd feel like an absolute idiot for asking these guys because the perception was so massive. So you can disqualify people without kind of doing it overtly just by the positioning on your website. And I guess that's just kind of knowing your audience and and being... Consistent with the sort of people that you want on your site as well, and then the other the other way to disqualify people is to add these eagerness filters. So, for example, with our website review, we ask for a name and email address immediately as soon as people land on the page, and then once they've given us that info, we send them through to a questionnaire. And this questionnaire is actually pretty long. So, what we're doing there is we're capturing the the name and email immediately, so we've got them signed up to our mailing list. So that's great, so we can market to them and stuff like that. But then before we do the review for them, before we put all the time in, we're sending them through to a follow up questionnaire, which is much longer. So by doing that, we're saying, okay, we're not going to do the review for you if you can't be bothered to fill in a few bits of information. So we're kind of disqualifying people that way. And then, of course, if they don't fill in the questionnaire, they get follow up emails which say, hey, you haven't filled in the questionnaire yet. Are you sure? Because this review is going to be amazing. But at the end of the day, if they can't be bothered to spend five minutes doing that, we don't really want to spend half an hour to an hour doing a review for them because they're clearly not serious about this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's not a case that we're sort of trying to pester people,
1: like you say, with the the follow-up emails. It's just obviously, yeah, like you say, if if they're not willing to put in a little bit of time and effort, then it's probably not worth our time and effort.
0: So yeah, disqualification is really important. But like you said, if you're most businesses, they're focused on absolutely maximizing their lead volume. There's nothing that says you've got to follow up with every lead that you get. So I'd always opt for get as many as you can and then, whether you have someone that filters through them or whatever but if you start with the most then uh, then it gives you the best chance of success you know we've had people who filled in our review form who have given us absolutely bare minimum info some of them can't even be bothered to fill in their websites you have to go and find them but actually it's the reason that they haven't done that is but just because they are they're super busy they're super successful and actually they end up being really decent clients as a result of that so it's not always just because they can't you know because they don't want to give you all of their info their their shitty leads sometimes they can be good so i'd always just say maximize just get as many as you possibly can but every business has to look at how much time you have available and what your goals are
1: yeah i mean it's certainly something that we've um you know kind of gone back and forth on isn't it obviously we've we've offered the reviews totally free and you know you can ask whatever information you provide is enough and we've gone, you know, paid reviews as well to try and, you know, weed out people and that kind of thing. So we've had a few different options, you know, you know, ways that we've targeted that in the past. You know, and and it really does just depend on, you know, see what kind of leads you're getting. And if you're getting the wrong kinds of leads, then maybe have a look at some of those disqualification questions.
0: Yeah. And if you know if your volume is such that you can't maintain or you can't keep up with 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 every lead that's coming in, then it's time to disqualify. But until then, what's the problem with talking to as many people as possible? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and w- one
1: quick thing, just um, if somebody is out there and they're thinking, "Hey, you know, maybe maybe I've I've not got enough of the uh, questions filled out on the exposure ninja review, but you know, I, I still want some help or, 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 or something like that," then you could always sign up to the Di- digital marketing Mar- mastermind Facebook group, and we'd be absolutely happy to to give you. You know help and guidance on there instead so that can be a, a good way to do to do things too if you if you don't feel you're ready to to take that step on the review um there's a couple of things which i wanted to ask you about so we've talked a bit about you know what makes a good call to action in, in terms of you know benefits and low risk and that kind of thing there's a couple of um specific things so i'm thinking about some of the visual designs of a of a call to action on a web page. So yeah, do do you have any you know guidance there? Do you think there's you know some guiding principles that we could be following to to make sure that we've got a decent call to action just in terms of looks?
0: Yeah, I mean it, the first thing, just like anything online, it needs to look good because people's perception of what they're going to get when they fill in the box is to a large extent defined by the look of the box itself. As basic as that sounds, so if it looks absolutely crap, if the formatting is broken, the lines are you know the the fields are all wonky and different lengths and stuff there's a perceived quality that that's associated with that. So I'd make sure it looks really sharp as well. If you're giving away something which is like a guide or a book or something like that, it always helps to have a picture, a mock up of it. Now it doesn't if you're giving away an ebook, it doesn't have to be like a picture of an ebook, it could be a picture of a real book and could make it look really, really good. So obviously, a- anything that you can do with the design which raises the perceived value is, is going to help. You want to make sure that the box stands out so it has to complement the colors on your page, but maybe use a slightly different color. If you look at Amazon as an example, Amazon's Buy Now button, that is the perfect CTA. It's got the yellow or the orange if it's, um, if it's you know, the, the one click thing. It stands out loads, but it's still using colors which are consistently used across Amazon. It's separated out. There's a border. There's white space around it. It's very clearly exactly where you would expect it to be. So, if in doubt, look at Amazon. They're pretty good at converting people. Just copy that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, I think
1: you know some of the things that I was thinking about is, like you say, um, make it stand out on the on the page and and have a you know a color which stands out on the page. Some of the other things which are which I was thinking about in terms of call to action is you know positioning it in the right place on the page. So things like having it above the fold. That's that's something which we've discussed a few times in the in the past, isn't it? You know, making sure that it's it's somewhere that people tend to look on the page as well. So you know, top right hand corner tends to be pretty good in terms of you know a, a call to action and that kind of thing as well, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I've no- one of the things I've noticed our website team doing recently, which is killer, is that they'll have the CTA box in the top right hand corner, but then as you scroll down the page, it will follow you, so it will kind of be sticky, and they'll leave a bit of space on the right hand side of the page so that the box can kind of follow down the page. And that's really good because if you think about when someone lands on a page, yes, some people are gonna be ready to convert now and they're gonna be ready to fill in that form now, but others, they're not even in that place yet because they're still identifying, is this page right for me? And then as they scroll down the page and they do a bit of reading, then they become ready to convert. So previously, whereas we might've had you know separate buttons or separate forms further down the page for these people, now we've just got the box that follows down the page. So I think that's a, a kind of really elegant way of keeping it in mind at all times. On mobile, one of the things that we'll do is we'll have a sticky call now button. So call now will often be the CTA or mobile for a local business because you just want people to just quickly pick up the phone. So by making that sticky at the bottom of the page it's always visible. And as they're scrolling down, it's still there at the bottom of their window. So Anytime they see enough information that they know they want to convert, they can just click and then they're straight on the phone with you.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a a really good point because, you know, I read an article recently saying that um, on average, people read about 60 to 80 percent of a blog post before they before they navigate away and they do something else. And, you know, if you've got your call to action at the bottom of the blog post, you know, after the, you know, just a summary at the end saying, hey, if you enjoyed this blog post, then maybe you should, you know, check out our services, you know, whatever it might be. You know, if that call to action, you know, the first time it shows up is, is once they once they've read the whole thing and most people read 60 to 80 percent, then, you know, quite a lot of people aren't even seeing a call to action. Whereas, like you say, if that follows you down the page, then it's always visible. It's, you know, it's the most important thing for that that individual page so you know we want to make sure that everybody's going to get the chance to see it kind of thing
0: yeah totally i mean look at amazon they i don't know if they're still doing it but they went through a phase where they were testing making the as soon as you scroll down the buy now button just went sticky to the top of the window so it's just always there a bit like you might have a sticky menu they just made their buy now button sticky which i think is another really cool way because if you're right down there in those reviews and you're reading the product reviews on desktop actually you're quite a long way from the buy now button aren't you so rather than forcing someone to go all the way back up if they see something else that they like while they're on that page or they get distracted or whatever you could risk losing them so you always want to make it as easy as possible i guess make the minimum amount of movement that their finger has to make to convert if you could just kind of give them a physical button which came out the screen and just sat under their finger so they could just press it as soon as they're ready to convert that would be optimal so you just want to get as close to that as you possibly can. <laughs> and the um, uh,
1: last couple of questions is in terms of visual design for, for call to action. What is your opinion on things like CTAs that are in a, in a pop-up window or CTAs that flash, you know, in order to attract people's attention, that kind of thing?
0: Good idea, bad idea? You just need to test it and you need to look at the metrics. My concern with pop-up CTAs, if they just pop up on their own, is people's immediate repulsion to that if you watch the hot jar recordings or you sit down and watch someone and then as soon as the thing pops up they're just going for the x or they're going for escape or they're hitting back on their browser so anything that makes that kind of visceral rejection reaction instantly probably isn't a good idea obviously exceptions to that if it's like an exit pop so someone motions to get out of the page and then you have a pop-up with something that offers them something free to kind of get them to stick around You know, you're going to lose that person anyway, so don't be too worried about annoying them. If there's something flashing, I guess as long as it's attracting their attention in a good way and it's not something that they just want to shut down, then that could be okay. But just split test it, like test two versions, use Google Analytics content experiments and have a go and see if it increases your conversion rate.
1: Cool. Yeah, good advice, Stefan. So Next thing I wanted to discuss is the kind of psychology behind some of the text that you might use in a call to action. So there's there's different ways that you can phrase the same sort of thing and have and get sort of different results. So I'm thinking about things like active or passive language in a in a call to action. So this is something which I've seen, you know, is is that people make this mistake. So, you know, if you say something along the lines of free trial available, then you know. If somebody, you know, is interested, then they might click on a, on a button that says free trial available. If it says claim your free trial now, then, you know, somebody's much more likely to do that because, you know, you're, you're telling them what to do. And also, you know, it's a strong statement. It's saying this is what you should do. So,
0: yeah. Is that something
1: you agree with, Do you think, um, you know,
0: making that sort of language change? Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to test. I mean, the other thing that you see people doing is not just saying claim your free trial now and then a button that says click here, but it says, you know, click below to request your free trial and actually telling people exactly what to do. Whether that has a measurable impact on conversions, I don't know, but I think it could be quite interesting. You know, when, you, when you're running Facebook ads, what would, be your, what would be your preference? Would it be to go for the more active active language, I'm guessing?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, th- I think especially for, for Facebook, obviously, you want to make sure you're guiding that action as much as possible. So, so yeah, I, I would definitely always go for something that was much more active. But I do wonder if that is something that might differ between a web page and PPC, because uh, obviously PPC, you know, you've got less time in order to to attract their attention and get them to do what you th- do what you want. So,
0: yeah, my gut feeling is also there's a there's a kind of positioning difference as well. If you were to say if you're a business that maybe you're playing a bit of a takeaway thing and you're playing on scarcity then you might not wanna be so direct in your language. You might wanna say something like, uh, for example, when we did that landing page for that dating site and they were really struggling to get any conversions, super high-end matchmaking. And what we did there is we said, apply for inclusion. We used text around the whole thing, which was basically, you're not gonna be good enough to get in. There's no point even trying. Apply, you know, if if you fancy taking a punt, then you can apply for inclusion. In the world's most exclusive or london's most exclusive matchmaking site and it was amazing for conversions because we played it as a takeaway rather than saying you know you need to do this you need to do this and i i don't know whether there'd be a whether that if we were using more direct language there with that, that might impact it i'm not too sure so there might be a positioning thing as well but again interesting thing to test yeah no that's a really interesting point if if you were going to go for one or the other right you would probably choose the direct language first of all wouldn't you and then you might split test less direct or you might split test the takeaway if, if you weren't getting as, as good a conversion rate as you like. But, you know, if you had to choose one, you'd go for direct every time, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, direct is kind of the the standard, isn't it? And then you, you try other things. There's a link in our show notes at the bottom with some call to action examples from different websites out there. And one which I like, which does take a, a more of a sort of um, backseat approach, you know, that, that might be kind of similar to what you're talking about. It's it's a website and their their CTA button says launch on the button and then it says do not press and uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're they're trying out whether or not that would work and uh, and in, you know encourage people to press it and everybody's you know sort of immediate thought is hey you can't tell me what to do and then they want to press that button so uh, <laughs> yeah, th- yeah that's 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 one of the more interesting CTAs so certainly there's there's other
0: strategies out there other than um you know telling people what to do. Uh, so yeah, could could be worth trying. Yeah, definitely. I guess that's also a massive pattern interrupt as well, isn't it? Because you're just completely not expecting to see a button that says do not press. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, there's a
1: couple of other things I wanted to talk about in regards to call to actions for websites versus PPC. And um, yeah, I want to get your opinion on it. So you know, it, on a web page, you're going to have, you know, quite a lot of room to, to talk about all the different benefits of a service or a product. You're going to be able to say, hey, you know, you'll get this and that. Um, the process for, you know, will include this. You know, it's going to be you know, Stacy that's going to give you a phone call in the next 24 hours and you know, all that kind of stuff. And that's a lot harder to do on, um, on something like PPC. Do you, yeah. So do you think that, you know, the the way in which you're going to design a, a CTA, you know, pretty much has to be quite different between those two platforms? Or, or do you think, you know, all the same rules apply?
0: Yeah, I think you're completely right. If you look at the metrics on PPC traffic, it tends to have higher bounce rate. It tends to have a lot less patience. So we have to assume that they're probably going to give us a page at most normally we're expecting to see ppc bounce between 50 to 60%. 80% is not uncommon and it doesn't necessarily mean it's a poorly performing campaign if you if your conversions are there. So you have to assume that you've got maybe one page to get them whereas with organic traffic if you got a bounce rate of 30 35 40%, then you've got maybe two or three or four more pages to to build a relationship with someone before you ask them to to take the action that you want to take. So you've got to be more direct with, with PPC. And generally, one of the things that we'll notice works best with PPC is that the entire focus of the page is on the CTA and it's on selling the CTA. Whereas with a normal website where you might be driving organic traffic or whatever, you're probably talking about the service that you offer. And then you've got a CTA, which is talking about if you want to take the next step towards this service or you want to take the next step in the sales process, obviously you position it better than that. But if you want to take the next step, then you take this CTA. So when we're running PPC ads, for example, for our own business, the landing page that we're sending people to is selling the free review really, really hard. Whereas when we're sending people through to our website, we may be talking about SEO and how it could impact your business. And if you want to, you know, you want to take the first step towards this great benefit, then you might want to claim our free review. So I think you've got to be you've got less time, you've got people that are much more impatient, more fickle, they're more likely to bounce. So you gotta sell your CTA a lot harder, I think, for PPC. Yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, what the, the one thing that I think, you know, could be a, a good comparison is the difference between somebody who's browsing in a shop doing a bit of window shopping on on a Saturday or something. Versus, you know, a door-to-door salesman. You know, it's a really different kind of sales pitch, and and I think that's the kind of difference that you know, browsing on a website and, um, and a PPC ad kind of has is is the same sort of thing. It's it's got to be immediately interesting. It's got to be immediately grabbing your attention. Whereas, you know. If somebody's browsing through the website and they don't like the, the, the um, call to action on, on the current page, then, you know, maybe it's not for them. Maybe they can go onto a different page on your website and find a service that's more, more interesting to them. So, yeah, really kind of different strategy, I think.
0: Yeah, there is. and I th- People, you know, we see a lot of people when we're looking through analytics, driving PPC traffic to their homepage or whatever. And it's no surprise that it's, it's, not, it's not working for them. Although PPC and organic traffic, they're both coming from Google. Actually, the traffic behaves completely differently and, and we do need to be mindful of that. And yeah, you can optimize your service pages so that you can drive PPC traffic to them, definitely. But that needs to be, you know, those pages need to be absolutely shit hot. You can't send PPC traffic through to anything that's not basically perfect because for whatever reason, it's just harder to please. Yeah, no, that's really
1: cool. Um, so So we talked a bit kind of about website CTAs and PPC CTAs. Do you think that it differs for, you know, any other places that we might have a, a call to action, you know, places like like social media, um, offline ad copy or anything like that? Um, yeah, do you, do you think it it, it differs in, in those locations again or,
0: or are they some, uh, kind of uh, their own sort of thing? The main difference is because it's either it's patient researched, super qualified traffic, which is like organic traffic would tend to be or it's interruption, fickle, busy traffic, which PPC would, would t- tend to be. So I think as long as we put any marketing channel through that filter, then that will kind of guide us. So maybe if we were driving, a, driving someone through to our website on the podcast, for example, I don't think we'd need to work as hard on the on the free review thing because they already have a relationship with us and they're happy to go through some different pages and learn a bit more about our service. So Probably is an effective uh, a CTA for us would be, we could just say, go to com to claim your free review, because we know that people are then gonna go on the site, they're gonna have a look to see how they get the review and they're gonna get it. I would imagine that our conversion rate to that would be pretty similar to it, whereas if we drove people straight to the review page. Whereas for PPC, it's gonna be completely different. Like if you, if you say, claim your free review in a PPC ad, and then you're not taking them straight through to that page or the same on Facebook, you're not going to get them. You may as well just send them to Google's homepage. You know, the, you're, you're not going to get anything at all. So I think if you've got a relationship with people that buys you a bit of time, whether you've built that relationship offline or in a radio ad or in a podcast or whatever. So you've got to, you've got to craft your CTA and craft the landing page that you're sending people through to based on how familiar they are with you and how much knowledge they have of your business and the relationship. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think that's a really good distinction to make,
1: like you say, between somebody that's in a sort of browsing mode or somebody that's, that, that, yeah, you're interrupting them. That's, yeah, really good distinction to make. And like you say, can guide pretty much any any call to action or any copy that you're making for anything, I would say. Before we uh, wrap this podcast up with um, our own call to action at the end, I wondered if you want to have a quick look through <laughs> through, um, through some of the uh, call to action examples that are on this uh, HubSpot link. See if there's any ones which you, which you like and you think are, are a really good example of, of what to do or what not to do. Uh, so I think some of these are quite interesting. Uh, let's see if I can find some of the ones which I, was, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, so so Dropbox um, website is um, is a really nice example of making sure that the kind of visual design makes it stand out on the web page. So their website is basically nearly entirely white on the on Dropbox's website, and then their CTAs are um, in, a, in a nice blue, which matches their logo and everything. That's, I think, a, a really good CTA just because you know, it stands out really well on the page and, you, and your eyes is immediately drawn to that. So, um, yeah, I think in terms of visual, Dropbox is a pretty good example.
0: First, let's talk about why it's awesome. And, and lots of SaaS companies like Dropbox will send people straight through to a, a sign-up form. And um, it's great. And the form looks great as well. The thing I don't like about this Dropbox CTA is it's asking full name, email, password, and I agree to Dropbox terms for us to check that box. So I'm not too sure about asking for password. I'd love to see them test removing that because the danger is that someone sees that and goes, Oh, I don't have a password. Right? It's not saying choose password. It's just saying password. If if you're signing up for the first time, you're like, Oh, password, Hmm, Don't have one, right? Okay, I'm obviously in the wrong place. So there's a little bit of uncertainty there. So I'd maybe like a little bit of clarification around that. Um, whether we need to tick a box that says, I agree to Dropbox terms just to sign up for the free trial, I'm not too sure, but maybe there's some other way that they could do this, you know, by signing up, you're agreeing to the Dropbox terms, so they run naturally forcing someone to actively tick it. I don't know. I guess that they've just got their new super expensive legal team and they've put that, made them put that in there. But I'd just be like, strip that out. Let's just maximize conversions. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting example. They've also got that box that says sign up free with Google. So you can click on that and then it just links up to your Google account. And then all you have to do is press another button that says allow to give access to Google. So if you just need name and email, you can get people to do that with Google or Facebook, and then they don't even have to put any info in. So that's really nice. The risk is that you're getting an email address, which they wouldn't be happy for you to send emails to. So it might not be you know, the most responsive list that you build with that method, but it certainly speeds up the way that people can sign up. And as we've seen with PayPal, when you offer PayPal and a checkout, that'll increase your conversion rate because people don't have to put any info in. They just click a button. So anytime you can just give people buttons to press instead of forms to fill in, you're going to increase conversions. Yeah, definitely. I think I the one thing I was wondering
1: while you were saying that is I wonder if they've tried putting the the buttons um just above the the contact form that you've got to fill in. So so rather than enter your full name email, I wonder if they've tried putting the, the sign up free with Google, um, like you say, because that's going to be the easiest way to do it. I wonder if they've tried putting that at the top to, um, yeah, so that the easiest way is, is nice and visible for people. I wonder if they've tried that as well.
0: Yeah, my guess would be that they, for some reason, for whatever reason, that's not their preferred sign up method, which is why they've kind of demoted it to the bottom there. And they've also given it a color, which is, slightly off the main Dropbox color. So the implication is that that's the second best option. So yeah, there there must be some reason why that's not their preferred choice.
1: Yeah, like you say, it could be, like you say, that email list. Another one which I like on this list is number 11, um, which is Quick Sprout. So this is a a CTA which appears um, during a a blog post. It's it's highly relevant to the content, which is obviously a a really, really great thing. So it's a blog post about, about SEO. And the CTA says, Are you doing your SEO wrong? Enter your URL to find out. Um, So I think that's a a really interesting cta because you know this you know it immediately implies what the benefit of um of putting in your details is going to be you're going to find out how good your seo is so that's that's obviously really strong and um, and i really like the fact that you know it's literally that's it you just put in your url and and then and then click go and you don't have to like you say you don't have to put in username password any of that kind of stuff so um yeah i think i think that's a really good one just in terms of simplicity and also immediately implied benefit as well so
0: yeah and if you're going to model anyone's ctas then go for someone like quick sprout because they're actually an analytics platform aren't they so I think <laughs> yeah. they would, we you should would hope, hope they're, they're doing the right kind of thing the the question i would have and i don't know if they've tested it but are you doing your seo wrong is kind of a question which is very much focused on people who are uncertain over their own skills so if you're confident in your skills you, you might find that patronising or slightly annoying, or like no, obviously not. So go away, you brick. <laughs> so uh, I'd wonder if there'd be another another th- way of phrasing that. But I think know, I
1: think because of the location of this CTA, then that then um then they've got the right wording there because because this um is a pop up which appears. On a blog post about SEO, I think that's that's an okay CTA. But like you say, if that was something that showed up, you know, on their homepage or something like that, then um, then definitely I would agree. But um, because of the location, I think I think they're getting away with it. It's it's probably my my guess on that one. Yeah, yeah, good call, good call, Oz. There's a couple of examples on here. The websites aren't particularly exciting or anything, but um, so there's a couple of examples here that are just a time limited offer. So you know, one, an offer that has, you know, a countdown and says, Get this free stuff before um, before the, this offer expires. So that's just a really interesting kind of psychological tactic that people use, and just in terms of time limitations. So not necessarily the website itself that we're interested in, just just the fact that you know using a time limited offer could be a good idea.
0: Yeah, it can be. I think the the important thing there is that the scarcity has to be believable. So there has to be a legitimate reason why it's kind of counting down to end. You know, often see like the one click upsell. So you sign up for something, and then it says quick, if you buy in the next 10 minutes, you can get this free guide for $7 or whatever. And you're like, well, I know that's kind of bullshit. I know that I could just come back to this page later on and I could get that. So it has to be believable. Yeah, especially when your sign up process is an evergreen sign up process. Exactly. Exactly. People aren't stupid. They know that they haven't, you know, they know that there's not someone there that's just written this page, especially for them. I guess the other way of of doing that scarcity thing will be to say that there's some limited quantity available, not really believable for an ebook, but if you're giving away some sort of free consultation, then you could definitely do that and you can have like a little ticker that goes down. I noticed that there's a bunch of Shopify plugins which now do kind of stock limited stock scarcity things, even if it's just you know even if it's a drop shipping thing where there's just you know there's some mountainous warehouse somewhere full of this crap. But when you go on the website, it says, you know, there's 15 of these available left. And and there's this massive bar, which is almost to the end because they've sold these trillions and trillions of them. And they're down to the last 15 and they're being snapped up every second. So you must buy them now. So there's ways of kind of doing the scarcity. So it's believable. So you've got to kind of, I think you've got to be careful with it because you've also got that trust thing, which you could potentially damage. But without a doubt, it's a powerful, powerful motivator to get people to do things right now. No
1: that yeah really really good advice i think yeah no, nothing really else to add to that one next one i just want to i want to get your uh, just initial impression how uh, scroll down to number 18 appstemplates.com i think this website looks hideous i wonder whether or not you agree and, and if you think that this is an effective cta or not
0: man that thing looks horrible and <laughs> the other issue that there is with that is that this is a web templates for iphone apps so if it looks like crap, why would you? Why? I mean, of all the businesses that you'd want to look good, it would be templates and design, right? Surely. <laughs> the other thing about this one is that there, it's there's so much going on in that CTA area. You've got these buttons and these little arrows and all of that sort of stuff. It's kind of ooh, like if you just gave me an example template, for example, we've got an app development company that we've done some CTAs for. We've just been doing uh, calls to action, which is. Request a free consultation, we'll show you how much you could save versus going through you know, these external booking companies, which everyone in this market is having to go through. So it's, the whole pitch is like, are you sick of paying these guys a ton of money when you could be taking that money yourself? Get your free consultation, we'll show you how much you could be saving. And it's just simple and quick and really easy to understand. So I think if you're kind of having to give that much information about what they need to do, then it might be a little bit, uh, a little bit of a stretch too far. They're also charging for this thing as well. So I don't know whether it's their homepage CTA or what, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that it's a really weird example. I mean, just obviously so that everybody on the podcast knows what we're looking at here. It says appstemplates.com. It's a website which sells templates for, for making your own app. And the CTA says unlimited access for... And then we've got $149 which has been crossed out and it's been replaced with $89. And I agree with Tim that this is actually pretty bad CTA, especially when you consider that this is the CTA which they're using on their homepage. Um, so you know why is there an evergreen you know sale? You know this is this isn't going to be changing all the time. It says you know crossed out the price and they've got in a, a lower price there and it's got the word sale written on it. You know why is that on the homepage? That's something which should be appearing on you know a specific landing page for you know one month only or something like that. The fact that they've got that on their homepage immediately makes me think. Well, this probably isn't even worth the eighty nine dollars, is it? Because yeah, otherwise you wouldn't need to be selling it in that way. So
0: yeah, I mean, there's, there's actually quite a few CTAs in this blog post that I'm, I'm really not convinced by at all. One of the problems that a lot of them seem to have is that they're asking to get started right now, immediately before we have any info, which is okay if you're offering something super low risk, but if you're actually charging for something then you've got to make sure that people have enough information in order to you know, in order to make that decision. So charging $89 for templates is cool, but you're probably not going to sell them above the fold on your homepage, right? There's probably steps in between there. So I'm not convinced by that at all. The other issue that um, I'm seeing on some of these, so there's an example, number 24 is Madewell, which is a clothing company. And when you get to their homepage, it doesn't really look like a homepage at all. It looks like an e-commerce product page. So there's a picture of, clothing on the left. And then on the right, it says I'm looking for clothes that will travel anywhere. And then there are two buttons, but they don't look like buttons. It says yes, take me there or hmm, what's next. And I think what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to say yes, I'm looking for clothes that will travel anywhere. And then you click on that. And then you go through to a category page. Or you'd say hmm, what's next. And then you would see another type of clothing and you'd be offered the same choice. But the trouble is with this is that it's forcing us to do work to find the products that are going to be right for us. I've got to click through a bunch of options which aren't relevant for me before I can even see stuff that I might be interested in, which just seems completely stupid. And they're kind of, yeah, I don't know why it's an example of good here because it seems rubbish to me. It seems like the exact opposite of what you'd want to do. What you want to do is show people the categories that they might be interested in let them click on it immediately to go straight through to the stuff that they're most relevant with. If we're going to use a CTA, it needs to feel like a CTA that people are familiar with, or it needs to be brain dead simple. If it requires them to think or figure out what they're supposed to do, we're going to lose people. I'd imagine that engagement on these buttons will be super low. So I don't know why it's in this examples thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I just want to play devil's advocate. I think I do agree with you, but I'm just going to play devil's advocate a little bit. Uh, So I'm wondering if this is a difference between between somebody that's, you know, looking for a specific item, they're shopping and, you know, there, there are search options and and there's a, um, there's a mega menu at the top where they can find, you know, categories so that, so they've got those options available. I wonder if this is the difference between somebody that's, you know, shopping like that and knows what they're looking for versus somebody that wants to live the Madewell lifestyle, wants to browse through the catalog, wants to check out what's new this season. And if somebody in that kind of situation may find, Find that appealing may say, "Hey, yeah, I I don't know what I'm looking for. I want to browse the website, and I want you
0: to show me some stuff that you think's cool." What do you think to that? Do you think that that could work in that sort of situation? I still, I still don't think they've executed it well. Interestingly, they've taken it off their website now, so this example must be a bit old. But I think I completely get what you're saying, and we definitely there are times when you want to play up on that browsing thing. You know, you see sites like you see CTA doesn't
1: always need to be
0: buy our product now. It can be, you know, build a relationship. And it can all be about, you know, digging around. And I think you look at shops like Primark and TK Maxx and you see how people actually use those physical stores and part of the appeal is kind of digging around and hunting. And there's this whatever the I don't know what the chemicals are that are going off in people's brains while they're hunting around in the mountains of of crap, trying to find the stuff that they like. But you can definitely play into that with the CTAs. But I think when when people walk over to a clothing rail, it's very obvious the sorts of stuff that they're going to find, whereas this. For me it's just not it's not quite obvious I know they're trying to gamify it but if we just had you know browse by category new stuff, quirky stuff, crazy stuff a bit like Airbnb does Airbnb kind of categorizes their their places by you know random uh, tree houses or they might have quirky spa places or freezing cold or igloo or, you know stuff like that so they'll be completely wacky and they'll have stuff categorized by these other things which you might not have thought about but they're really interesting. So, I think that's the way that you could get people browsing through without having to be like abstract or obscure about it yeah,
1: no, no, I think you're right. I think there's definitely ways that they could improve it, like you say in terms in terms of uh, that browsing experience. I think that's what they're going for, but yeah, I think that they could they could have done done better with it. And, and they must have been tracking because they've changed it now. So. That is true. Yeah, they have to point out that they are no longer using this. So clearly, they decided that it hasn't worked either. So last one, which I think is um, kind of interesting, is number twenty-nine, which is for charity water, asking for donations in order to bring clean water to people around the world. And so obviously, their homepage is going to feature a donation button. But the way which we, which they've um, done that is quite clever. So. They've auto filled the price for you, which is really good because it means that they're, you know, they're suggesting that this is what other people are doing and they've made it as easy as possible to choose the way in which you want to donate as well. So, um, yeah, I think that's one that one's quite interesting just because um, ease of use is clearly what they've sort of uh, focused on for that one. And and I think they've done quite a good job with that.
0: Yeah, that is. It's interesting, isn't it? So you go on the site and it says give monthly change lives all year long. 100% 100% of your donation brings clean water to people in need. And then the CTA is how much you want to donate per month. And the the automatic option is $60. And then you can choose whether you want to pay by card or PayPal. So I'm assuming that they've tested this and that they know their traffic is coming to the site specifically to donate. My concern or my question to them would be whether people are A, ready to donate immediately on the homepage. And if they're not, then there might be something else they could have there and B, whether $60 a month is the right number to be in that spot. So there's some testing that has to be done. It's not gonna be as simple as how many conversions you're gonna get. You wanna test it by how much monthly revenue you're generating, testing these different options but yeah, it's it's certainly, it's a nice looking form, isn't it? It's really simple. You understand it. The imagery is compelling as well. So I think, I think for me, the benefit of that $60 is that it's auto
1: filled. So if you're not happy with that, then you can, you can, all you have to do is click in that box and you can change the amount. It means that it's, you know, one less button if you're happy with that $60. And also I wonder if psychologically it it slightly increases the amount that people are paying, uh, people are willing to pay. So Somebody might go onto the website thinking, hey, you know, I'll give them, you know, $30, $40. And then they go, oh, well, most people give 60 oh, Okay, well, I'll do that then. So I wonder whether or not that's, um, yeah, if it helps in terms of bumping that up. But definitely it's something obviously they'd want to be testing. So, you know, if they um, if they put it at, at 50 would they find that they get more people that um, are willing to, you know, click that button immediately than, than, than um, actually type in their own value? Or do they, do they find that people get turned away by that? Um, yeah, definitely something they'd want to be testing.
0: Yeah, the whole anchoring thing and putting the most expensive wines at the top of the wine list to make the other ones seem cheaper. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I hadn't considered that. I'd love to see the analytics on all of these. (laughs) Maybe they'll submit for a website review and we can. Yeah, it would be really fascinating. Um, And just just to briefly mention charitywater.org. They have
1: it looks like they've changed that so that CTA isn't on their homepage anymore. So if you click the Donate Now button, you see a very similar page to that one. But actually, their homepages have got a bit more information about, you know, what the charity does. So um, I wonder if that's something that which they've changed because they found that, um, yeah, like you say, people weren't ready to make that decision to to donate or not um, based on.
0: Yeah, I mean, their website at the moment says every person on the planet deserves clean water. And then you're supposed to click a button that says, I agree. And then it takes you through to that donation page. Which is super, super interesting because that's getting that micro commitment to say, yes, I'm with you. I agree. And then you've got to, you know, you've, you've got to be consistent. You've got to back up your agreement with a donation. So it takes you straight there. And interestingly, now they've prioritized the give once. So give, you know, give once rather than pay monthly. So I wonder if they found that that's led to an increase in conversions as well. Very interesting. Definitely check out my, uh, check out charitywater.org. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, in terms of, you know,
1: obviously it's a bit different because this is a donation model they're not obviously selling, you know, a, a product. Um, I, I wonder whether or not that donate once option, they ha- they're highlighting that because that's essentially their lead generation done for them, isn't it? So if somebody is willing to donate once, even if it's a small amount, they can then send them a follow-up email saying, hey, you've done some really great work. If you were to sign up for a monthly subscription, think about all the amazing things you could do. I wonder if that's, if that's the kind of option that they're taking, that they're thinking about that
0: in terms of lead generation. Yeah, interesting. I was also going to say, I mean, one of the great things you can do, have a look at these things like the HubSpot CTAs thing that we'll, we'll share in the show notes, and then use a site like archive.org to go and have a look and see what CTAs these websites have used in the past, because if they've got the same CTA and they've used it for like the last three years, then you know, it's going to be working. If the one that's in the, you know, in the, in the example, they're not using it anymore, then there's going to be a reason for that. So what you don't want to do is pick a CTA that you see in one of these blog posts sharing all these great CTAs only to find that actually, do you know what, they're not even using this anymore because it turned out it didn't convert. Like HubSpot is not sharing these because it knows that they convert well. It's just sharing some examples that it likes for whatever reason. So you've got to be diligent and you've got to do your own research and do your own testing. Yeah,
1: uh, there is always the um, kind of thing that you want to avoid that there's always the, the possibility that, you know, these are the things which appeal to marketers because they think that they you know are really smart and really clever. And actually, you know, they're, they're not, you know, highest conversion ones. They're just kind of the ones which, which are interesting or quirky or appealing in terms, of, in terms of people that like copy. And that might be different to people that actually purchase things.
0: Yeah. The goal of this writer was to write an interesting blog post that gets shared. That's not necessarily the same as to share the highest converting CTAs with people. Good point. Yeah, hundred percent. So yeah, I think that's pretty much it for this episode of the Exposure Ninja
1: podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've learned some interesting facts about CTAs and what you should be doing um, in terms of getting a really good um, offer in there, focusing on the benefits. Um, Maybe you've you've had some thoughts about visual design or some of the psychology in the text that you're using and um and you've also had to think about you know the differences between ctas for for websites or ppc or any other location been a really good episode um if you've enjoyed the exposure ninja podcast and you want us to help you out with some of your digital marketing then um head over to exposure forward slash review claim your free website and marketing review and we can see, and we'll show you how
0: we can help your business awesome thanks this has been really good fun we should do more of these welcome ones i think Yeah, no, I think so. Sweet. Thank you, everyone, for listening.